Be good. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is Andrew. And Tiffany. And we are talking to you today about the incredible country of El Salvador, located in Central America. We're currently in uh, Nicaragua, in the North Country, where it's nice and cool, fresco, as they say, in the mon- montañas. There's a babbling brook next to us. We're in, uh, we're kind of surrounded by coffee plantations. Plantations is a weird word. What would you call it? Just like... Fincas. Little farms. Farms. Yeah. There's no like grand plantation here. I don't want to give the wrong impression. But uh, there is a beautiful place where we're staying. Um, Aguas de... Arenal. Arenal. Aguas de Arenal. Incredible place. So, so pretty. Uh, We're very fortunate to be here. But anyhow, uh, we're going to talk to you about El Salvador, and I guess we'll start with our route, and then maybe tell you a couple little things that we liked about the place and some of the people we met. But so we've done this is our fourth one of these or something like that, where we're I don't know leaving a de facto review of a country. That is remarkably presumptuous of us to do. We could use your help if there's something you want to know specifically about any of these countries like if you're a person who wants to take an overland journey or you want to go visit on your next holiday or whatever it is and there's specific shit you want to know about a country send us an email at mtp.dog forward slash contact and uh, let us know what sort of things you want to hear about because honestly we're just sort of we're just sort of making it up as we go mm-hmm. just driving around just driving around so uh, speaking of driving around, what was our route, Tiffany? Our route, when we entered El Salvador, the, our first stop was a town called Ahuachapan. We stayed there for uh, two days, I think. We headed down the Ruta de las Flores and to the town of Ataco. And then a couple little short stops over, one to Apaneca and one to Ayuya. And then we took the scenic route up through the town of Santa Ana, past the um, Lago de Cotepeque, up into the Parque Nacional Cerro Verde to climb the Santa Ana volcano. And then we went down and over to Suchitoto, a quick stop into San Salvador, and then onto the coast, um, past the town of El Tunco to a little smaller place called Playa Palmercito. The Pacific Coast. Yes. They, they don't have an Atlantic Coast. Just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went down to another part of the coast, I guess more southern part of the coast, closer to Nicaragua. It's a little town called El Cuco. Um, and then we went back a little bit east and north to a town called Alegria. And then we exited the country 
to Honduras, where uh, I guess we can talk about Honduras in this too, or as well. Uh, we only spent a single day in Honduras. It may have even been less than a full 24 hours because we came in in the afternoon and left mm-hmm. in the morning. Uh, yeah, we. it's the first time we've actually heated some mornings um, because so many people coming from both north and south and armchair adventurers alike all had kind of like cautionary tales about Honduras uh, which I don't know made us just speed through the bottom of it Um, and for me from what little I read on Honduras it seemed to be a good place to go if you wanted if you were a diver or snorkeler water sport kind of person it's beautiful for that we are neither one of those people really definitely not divers um i really appreciate it would love to try it but we just don't do it so that's another reason for my limited knowledge of the country why we decided to not really spend much time there correcto anyhow we did uh we just hauled through across the bottom of the country stopping one night and i guess we'll talk about that at the end but back to El Salvador Uh, first impressions I mean just overall the thing that made that country awesome to us uh, among all the other things I mean it's beautiful it's uh, culturally diverse it's the food is good the climate is uh, (laughs) it ranges from boiling hot to perfect Um, but for me it was the people that we met were so charming and kind and curious and interested and and helpful and all all the things you want human beings to be they were that and uh we'll talk about some specific people as well one thing i noticed i mean as soon as we left guatemala there had been so many people wearing like traditional clothing um you know mayan clothing that was ancient really these, these patterns and these clothing designs and the way these people dress have been around for a long time. Very traditional. Very traditional. And then you just cross an imaginary line and then it stopped. Like mm-hmm. we didn't see anybody, and we obviously didn't go everywhere, but we didn't see anyone wearing any kind of traditional type of clothing. So it's just really interesting maybe to see like that. Maybe like one. Panic. I feel yeah, like, like maybe we saw one. One person. But I guess that's bags. as far as the Mayans really settled was up until Guatemala yeah I'm not sure I don't know it just it was just interesting I don't actually know the history there so I shouldn't maybe be too surprised but it's just kind of funny to see such a dramatic change just at Mm -hmm. a border where they share so much other stuff in common like we'd been eating the common food of El Salvador since Belize Mm -hmm. Uh, pupusas which are awesome they're delicious I'll tell you about those in a second actually I'll tell you now what they are because that was one of the first things we did we got to the little town of Huachapan and hit a mercado and um man it was a crazy crazy busy mercado and we walked into like the commodore where you uh, you see all people cooking i don't know grilled meats and corn things and tortillas and all that sort of stuff and we stopped at a place that was selling pupusas and they were like a quarter a piece or something they're incredibly incredibly inexpensive and uh so tip i don't know do you want to tell everybody what a pupusa is I can, <clears throat> excuse me i can try um they're kind of quite simple but super delicious 
It is a tortilla where they basically um, can make a pocket or a hole in it and stuff it with a variety of ingredients, um, meat-based ingredients with veggies, or you can just do veggies, or you can just do like cheese and beans, bunches of options. And then they put it over a um, flat iron grill, mm-hmm. um, always over fire. Um, and then they just like toast it, cook it, flip it around, and they're super, super, um, I don't know, uh, not simple ingredients, but um, just yeah. a couple, two or three ingredients in there, and um, super tasty, um, super economical. And then they usually come with um, a topping of like pickled cabbage sort that varies a different from or varies from different people who sell but sometimes it's a little spicy sometimes a little sweet um that's my favorite part is pickled cabbage um and then there's also like a red sauce that seems a little marinara like to me that comes with it as well they're crunchy they're fatty Mm, they're salty (laughs) they're so good and i don't mean like fatty like they make you fat like they're fatty they have like nice little hint of oil so I, I got a chance to actually make some with a woman um, when we were on the coast. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a bit. But she uh, she showed me how to make them. And uh, like as you're, you take this sort of maize dough and you stuff it with whatever ingredients and you roll it and you kind of pat it in between your hands and you make this flat little thing, little disc that's filled with the good stuff. And you put a little bit of oil down on the flat iron grill and it just crisps up perfectly and cooks through Oh, they're so crunchy and tasty. And then you put the fresh stuff on top. I love them. And the cheese is just perfectly melted. Mm. Okay, so we did that. And uh, we were going to go to a hot spring. There are two different ones we could have gone to. And we could have taken a left and gone north or taken a right and gone to the one that we went to. We chose right. And evidently that right was incorrect because... Some friends of ours went to the one in the north and said it was like beautiful and the weather was nice and it was incredible. Where we were, it was like super hot and the last thing you wanted to do was get in a hot spring. So we skipped it and got in a hotel pool instead because we are Americans. (laughs) We did park in the parking lot. We didn't get a room. We just parked in the parking lot, but we did use their pool big time. And their outdoor shower. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've really let go of a lot of shit, uh, like shame and embarrassment and things like that, I think, in doing this trip. Cause well, we did shower with our swimsuits. It wasn't like we were naked. No, I mean, you're not trying to get arrested yeah. or, you know, on a magazine cover or anything. But they, uh, I don't know, that just seems like something you would have been like shy to do before oh yeah like totally. oh can we just wait till after dark so i can go up there and do it real oh quick? yeah like, we're in the middle of the day just showering <laughs> anyway so from uh a watch upon we hopped on the ruta de las flores uh to go to this coffee town and it's called a taco a taco and it was we knew that like coffee was a big deal in uh el salvador but we really had no idea and I knew that coffee represented a lot of work. We'd, we'd seen people hauling bags of coffee all over the place in Guatemala, but we went to take this tour at uh, El Carmen. And it is a, um, to call it a processing plant seems weird because it's, I mean, they are processing coffee and it's technically a plant, but it, 
like all the technology is like the turn of the last century industrial revolution type of place. I mean, it's very uh, mechanical and analog and no, nothing fancy. Uh, they're drying beans in the sun and they're like mechanically pressing and separating the cherry skins from the beans. And they have all these different types of methods of separating uh, coffee cherries from the beans inside and then drying. It was fantastic. And of course, at the very end, you get to drink some coffee. Um, and it was Tiffany's very first time to drink black coffee. Yep. Might have been the last time that <laughs> she drinks just black coffee. But uh, the, the whole process was so cool. And it, it was not just like informational from a, oh, this is interesting standpoint. It was cultural. And you got a sense for why coffee is so culturally important to people. Mm -hmm. um, and they drink it all day long. I mean, it always makes a difference when you obviously get to see it and someone explains it to you but you are watching people doing the whole process and it's a where the these this location was there was a lot of you know labor there weren't many machines doing much it was people doing everything yeah. so that was quite interesting it was interesting and delicious and mm -hmm. we i mean the amount of work that goes into it is just from the guy and the woman the child picking berries or cherries off of plants to the people who dry it and like move it constantly and we watched guys like moving these hundred pound sacks of coffee on their backs on their backs to i mean it's a two-man thing they flip this bag up onto this guy's back and he hauls it and stacks it and walking up these crazy little planks it's so labor intensive and then people from all over the world i mean like Egyptian people and uh, people from China and people from the States come and like sample and taste and smell and roast and buy these bags of coffee and they, they, they have a huge export uh, warehouse just filled with dried, perfectly dried coffee beans that are ready to be roasted. And then they had a roasting situation there as well. I mean, it was, it was super cool. We really, really enjoyed it and highly recommend that to anybody who wants to know about like what and the hell is in your coffee where like, it comes from what is it you know we just sort of take this bean water for granted and it is it, there's quite a lot of shit that goes into it and they let pele go on the tour as well pele took the tour and he did not piss a single time <laughs> on any of the piles of coffee that were laying around so he's got that going for him i guess we'll keep him uh we went from there to a little town of apaneca well, in a, uh, we stayed in a taco for a minute and ate a bunch of food. It was cool. There was like a gastronomica fa uh, fair. Um, it was charming. It was cool. We hopped on the road. We went to a a, a labyrinth, an actual big-ass uh, hedgerow labyrinth out in the middle of coffee land. And it was so bizarre because it was like kind of an English-style garden. And it was clearly put together by people with a shitload of money um, and it's just surrounded by fairly poor surroundings I mean just uh, quite a bit of poverty around it and then you've got people taking this goofball labyrinth tour and it took us like an hour mm -hmm. to get in and out of that thing um, Pele wasn't much help on that one either no, no Pele didn't give a shit he was just sniffing and peeing and he didn't know how to get out but I'm sure he didn't know what the hell the goal was. We take him all sorts of places where there seems like there's no goal. So 
he didn't know to pay attention to the beginning and end. But anyway, we we did that, and then we went to um, Waiuya, which is I don't know how would you describe Waiuya. Waiuya is another smaller town. Um, like most towns in Mexico and Central America, there's always a plaza with a church, and this one was the same. Um, big nice church. Um, but there's also the uh, gastronomica, gastronomica, feria there as well. They do it every weekend, I believe. A lot of traditional um, Salvadoran food there. Um, so we partook in that as well. Walked around the little town. It's um, known for coffee as well, a big coffee producing area. Mm-hmm. So we enjoyed, we stayed the night in the street, parked in the street, and then enjoyed some coffee uh, the next morning. It was a very um, serious process yeah. of uh, coffee uh, enjoyment. Um, we did. I think we took a French press, but the guy was very serious about there were so many varieties of coffee we could have picked, and the one we picked apparently was best with no sugar and no milk or cream, which is completely opposite of how I usually enjoy my coffee. Um, took his recommendation, and it was good, but it's just not for my taste buds. So eventually, we um, we begged for some, or I begged for some milk. Yeah, he, um, but he, it was it was interesting. He finally relented. Yeah, it was a little strict. I don't mind black coffee. I drink it kind of regularly. I do like it with stuff in it, but I just don't like anybody telling me how I should take something. I don't know. I'm an asshole. But the coffee was delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, we went to um, we wanted to hit the Santa Ana volcano, which is um, stunning, and incredible, and on the way there few different little places to go there's like this huge lake these big parks um and we took this really scenic kind of roundabout route we were going to stay by this lake one night but it was so loud and touristy oh i should say that like music mm-hmm. is very important to both tiffany and i we both love music we listen to a lot of music um i don't know we're just we're, we're turned on by music people in I, I would say from the moment you cross the United States border, the music gets louder mm-hmm. the further you go south. And if it's any louder, like after Nicaragua, I'm not sure what we'll do. It's it so loud. pretty loud in El Salvador. In El Salvador, man. Like people, Whoa. when they listen to music, they just turn it up. All the way. And it's like so crazy. We were in this restaurant and it, just trying to relax and look over this beautiful lake and it was just and they listened to a lot of like 80s and 90s music <laughs> from the states which was kind of funny and it was bananas i mean just so loud you could hear it the moment we parked we're like whoa where's that coming from telling me it's not coming from that restaurant and sure enough it was and evidently that goes on until pretty late in the mm. night so we we skipped on that and just went up to the mountain um and it was beautiful up there nice and cool i mean we went up like hundreds and hundreds of feet i don't know what the everything's in meters and in spanish and i just feel dumber every day from learning uh, the metric system and learning spanish it's like ruining my math and my english um my dog just ruined the air in our van sorry (laughs) but anyhow we oh my god 
So we made it up to the mountain, uh, had a beautiful night there, and we're planning on taking this hike, which you have to have guides to do the following day on the mountain. So we drive to this other location, which turned out to be a much better place to have camped for the night. And as soon as we pulled up, who do we see? Our pal from Guatemala. Elion and our friend Tanya. They showed up, they had entered El Salvador maybe a few days or a day after we did and we hadn't been able to stay in contact because of lack of cell service and everything but um they were they came to this place the night before and we show up because we were told this is where you get the guide to go on the hike to the Santa Ana volcano in the Parque Nacional Cerro Verde and so we pull in it's also a place that we can camp for the night too and um there were our friends and they were there to do the exact same thing yeah which was really cool you just never know it's one of the one of the many beautiful things about traveling this way is you just never know when you're going to run into someone that you've met before mm-hmm. yeah it was cool like we drive up and i just casually oh there are aliens here Tiffany thought I was joking. I'm like, no, that's Elion right there. <laughs> His goofy uh, Dodge Caravan van, and he's out there. Vanessa. Vanessa. Out there uh, in his shorts and no shirt cooking breakfast. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did the the mountain climb with them, which is pretty easy. It's not so hard. It's not too bad. Um, and you, you're in and out of clouds all morning climbing, and then suddenly you crest the mountain and uh it's really hard to see because like when we got there there was lots of clouds like just but they're fast moving clouds and you look down into this crater to this aquamarine turquoise crazy colored volcanic lake that's bubbling and hissing and making all these weird noises and then like suddenly the sun would come out and light everything up and you see mountains in the background and just this glorious view and then boom clouds again and it was it was really really kind of an interesting place um we were up there for i don't know about an hour and then we all turn around and head back down uh it it was a cool experience uh, very beautiful and bizarre knowing that it just it erupted what like 10 years ago or something like that yes eight or 10 years ago um and blew the top off the mountain yeah really really cool uh I'm, i'm completely enamored of volcanoes like i i'm okay maybe not seeing some ruins for a little while but I'd, I, if there were a volcano to go see tomorrow i'd be like yeah let's go see the volcano uh so yeah we spent uh, some time with our pals there and then the next day we all headed to suchi toto a place i had read about and highlighted everything about this little town it's a very historic town during the civil war it was well known as like the stronghold for the FSLN, like the um, the opposition, the the supporters of the people of the country. I guess is how you would say it. I don't know. Um, anti-government. The anti-government. The guerrillas. But it was um, a very important um, historical place for their civil war, and I really wanted to go there and and see what it was about. So we we went there and stayed at another Eye Overlander spot at the um, Centro para Arte, la para, Arte para la Paz. Arte para la Paz. Where we met Sister Peggy, who, is, who um, started the center and 
and continues to run the center and who's been in El Salvador 30 something years. She came during the Civil War and stayed on and through and has seems to have made a big impact in this little town and in the surrounding area. So that was a pretty special experience. It was. And you cannot really, you can't talk about El Salvador at this point without talking about the revolution. And I, I know I've said this before and I've written it down, but it uh, their revolution ended two years before the internet was invented. So it's like very, very recent. And we knew we were tangentially aware of it before we came in. Like I remember seeing stuff about it on the news when I was a kid, but I, I just didn't like that. The news you see and what the reality is on the ground for people are is so different. You know, I had no and still have no real idea of what it was like or anything like that. But we we were aware of it, and so like everywhere we went, we would think about okay, man, that guy's fifty. Now, say 25 years ago, maybe he was in the war. Oh, that guy's 60, you know, or this guy's 70. And you just, you place people in time relative to that, mm-hmm. that, that war that lasted, I mean, God, 25 years or something? No, 12, 12, 12 years. Yeah, 12 years, 12 sorry. Years. Yeah, it's 25 since it's ended. Uh, yeah, 12 years. And it's still, that's a long time. It's a long time. That's a long time. Um, and that, I don't know. You just kind of place everything around that. You think about, okay, this town, God, really some horrible shit happened here. And then there was those mountains nearby is where, you know, gorillas were. And this is where the army was. And everything was sort of viewed through that lens. And it, I don't know, it made me appreciate the the culture mm-hmm. in a different way. And of course the people. Certainly the people. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was kind of, powerful to have that in the back of your mind as you're meeting people and then we met sister peggy and we were going to leave uh sushi toto yeah we're just going to stay a night and and then we got to talking to her and we toured the museum and all this when we realized who she was and what she had done and she agreed to be on the show we're like well we'll stay another night and we actually went to san salvador and toured um this really incredible artist's uh home he's passed away since since, um, I don't know, like maybe four or five years ago. I actually don't know how long sure. the guy's been gone. But his name is Fernando Yort, uh, L-L-O-R-T. You should look him up. Uh, he's got this beautiful style of art, really uh, sort of traditional, but uh, expressive in a cool way. Um, and he's got the center in, in San Salvador, which is the, the capital that uh, we toured around and uh, saw his art, saw like sketchbooks and this... I mean, the, the tragedy of what happened to one of his pieces that was on this cathedral and some dickhead bishop tore it down. I mean, just, yeah, because he didn't like he it. He just didn't like it. I don't know. Uh, just bananas. But um, anyway, being in San Salvador and seeing, um, you know, we, we were had been staying in this former guerrilla stronghold and then we went to the city where the, you know, the the government forces were were stationed in like I don't know it was just a different vibe and you could you could just sort of I don't know if we were just projecting this or if you could really feel the history and what had happened to people and the suffering and the anxiety and 
the relief, the absolute relief when the thing was finally over. I can't even imagine. But uh, it was cool. And um, we, we enjoyed San Salvador. It was pretty laid back considering it was a big, crazy city. Yeah. I, I felt pretty calm there. Yeah. But um, we were there very briefly, just, I don't know, right. three or four hours. I mean, like driving around in Guatemala City <laughs> was a shit show and was <laughs> sort of a nightmare. Driving around in San Salvador, I uh, was like, piece of cake, no big deal whatsoever. But, uh, yeah, from there, uh, Suchitoto, San Salvador, we went to the coast. Yep. We went uh, straight down to La Libertad, stopped there briefly for the fish markets out on this pier, um, got some fish, and then we went, I guess, north up the coast to Playa Palmercito. There's a little little hostel that they have up some room where we can park and, quote, you know, camp, but sleep in our van. And they were a very, very kind couple. He was from the Netherlands, and she was from El Salvador and moved to the Netherlands with her family during the war. But then um, I guess they met over there, and then they moved back to open this hostel. And they were a very, very kind family. Have their two daughters that were, I guess, teenagers or maybe preteens. I don't know. Very sweet girls. And so we hung out there a couple of days, enjoyed their pool, their kitchen. um, And their beach. And their beach. They had a very nice beach where they were like horseshoe shaped beaches. Um, So they weren't very big, but they were very, very nice. And there were black sand, which was my first time to see that. It was very hot, (laughs) obviously. Um, And then Andrew went down one morning and got some fish from the fishermen that came in. Um, so that was really cool to have that. I ate a couple bites. <laughs> the experience was cool because when the fishermen come in from sea, there's there isn't like a dock or anything. They'd have to like sort of beach their boats, and they've got these big like wooden, heavy ass boats with these big outboard motors. They have to take the motor off and walk it up the shore, and um, it's like all anybody that wanted to buy fish had to help <laughs> move this boat. There was like three guys that had been fishing and a couple old guys sort of directing everybody and then me and a, I don't know, a couple other people literally shoving this boat. We were like taking big logs and digging out the sand and putting the logs underneath and pushing this boat uh, 40 yards up the beach to try to get it out of the uh, reach of the high tide. And then you could buy the fish. And the fish was so cheap. I mean, I've got like one kind of medium fish and another kind of big fish it was like not even five dollars or something like that it was just super duper cheap and delicious i mean as fresh as it could get and uh they also had these really cool artificial tide pools they'd built up in the um in the cliffs so when high tide would roll in they would fill up these pools and the tide would roll out and you could go swim in them and just kind of chill and relax and watch the waves crashing below that was that was really cool. Mm-hmm. We liked those, and we watched a guy almost uh, get swept off to sea, but he was rescued. Oh yeah! A bunch of construction workers saw him struggling and called in help, and they saved him. Yep, and we just watched it happen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> was if, he, if there was no one else to go out there, right, we would, right. we'd have been on it. The theme just song kidding. from Baywatch would have <laughs> totally. started playing as you ran down the beach. <laughs> 
that's funny the uh from there we went to another place because it was kind of touristy there and sort of like you know hostile when the place was called the hammock plantation and it was cool it was very cool but like the surrounding areas were pretty busy and very near el tunco which is the surfing hotspot in el salvador apparently so it's just different yeah it's a little bit different so we're we're, many local people no oh i mean yeah they're not just i mean there's just a lot of people on the beach period a lot of people around a lot of people so we went in to go to a place that was a little bit quieter so we went to el cuco Mm -hmm. and it was awesome for so many reasons uh as soon as we got there we went to this place called Adela's Pupusas y Mas and uh, this lady Adela and her husband have this huge place that is just I mean right on the beach right on the beach and they've got all this grass and palm trees and it's just beautiful they have a pool and she makes you know food all day long from like 8am to about almost 9 in the in the night <laughs> And they let us park there, and um, right away there was a couple from Switzerland, and then a couple, uh, the guy was from Bolivia, and his wife was from France, they had a couple kids, and uh, we all just started chatting right away. Kind they of were came. overlanders as well. They yeah. were heading north. Yeah, they'd, they'd come from, I guess they all started in Uruguay or something like that. I don't remember exactly where sure. they all started. They shipped, They all shipped their vehicles. But anyway, they uh, they were really cool. We're chatting them up, and then while we're sitting there having lunch slash dinner, whatever it was, this guy and his son sit down next to us, and he immediately says uh, in English, "Hi, how are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Ah, oh, buenos tardes, todo bien." And he's like, "You speak English? You speak a little bit of Spanish?" I was like, "Yeah." He's, I said, "Yeah, a little bit." He's like, "Yeah, you look American. You speak English," <laughs> and he was totally cool. And it turned out to be the coolest person we've met in a mm-hmm. long time. Our new friend, Our Santiago. Our new compadre, Santiago, and his son, Tomasa. Tomoso. Uh, Tomoso, lo siento. Tommy. Tom, Tommy, sweet Tommy, and Santiago, who were just, I mean, as cool a couple of guys as you can ever hope to meet. Within 20 minutes of meeting him, he invited us to go uh, on a hike with him the next day. And uh, so we said, yeah, sure, why not? Thinking, you never know. Sometimes people are legit. Some people will just invite you to things and you never see them again. But we were hoping he would follow through, and he did. And the next day was awesome. He took us to this crazy mountain. Like, I mean, the, it's a road we would have never been able to get our van up. Uh, we'd have been probably reticent to hire someone to take us up. Um, it was called Vulcan uh, Conchanagua, Conchanagua, something like that. Conchagua. Conchagua. Sorry, I can't <laughs> read that. Uh, Vulcan Conchagua. It's like this uh, beautiful, beautiful view. This mirador. We hop up on this big deck, and you can see uh, see this beautiful bay below you. And the day before, Santiago was saying, "It looks like a map. You've got to see it. It looks like a map." And it's the uh, um, you can see the Gulf of Fonseca and like this really beautiful bay, and you can see. You know, a shitload of El Salvador, a bunch of uh, Honduras, and a, little, a couple of islands of Nicaragua, mm-hmm. which is cool to see, you know, the countries that you're heading towards. Um, and yeah, he took us to dinner. We ate, you know, this beautiful seafood meal with him, and um, 
we're like, okay, didn't know if we'd ever see him again, but like we really, really enjoyed it. It was just this beautiful, warm, and the guy, I don't know how to describe him. He's just like full of energy and life and sensitivity and wisdom. Warmth. Uh, he was within an hour of our ride. He's talking to me about Carl Jung and philosophy and different projects he's worked on. And he's done so many different jobs. He refers to himself as a deep generalist, which I uh, I really like the term. Um, and he's just I don't know. He's just open to experience, fully fully present, and and just I mean he's like a like a ping pong ball of a guy as far as energy is concerned just boom 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 on it he knows so much about so many things and uh, is so passionate about his country anyway it was it was beautiful to be around him and I thought for sure he would say yes when I asked him to be on the podcast he has said uh, what did he say he's like I, I like to do the work of 3000 and make noise of three like just he's very modest in this way and but not like fake modesty just like genuinely mm-hmm. modest um and we were planning on leaving el salvador in like two days yeah. and that totally changed after we met him absolutely um he invited us to come to this town alegria which is kind of the opposite of the direction we were planning on heading and uh so we're like oh yeah we'll, we'll go up there why not and then Two days later, he's like, yeah, I'd definitely come up here because my nephew is in town. His nephew, uh, Nino, is filming a documentary. He's a coffee roaster who lives in Barcelona, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, to sell... Uh, tostadores. Tostadores. To sell tostadores in, uh, in Barcelona. And, um, yeah, he's he, he and his business partner flew to Central America and went to all these different locations to interview people who roast, people who grow, people who buy coffee and like making this really cool series of documentaries about the coffee process. Mm-hmm. He, for sure, I was like, all right, great. He'll be on the mm-hmm. podcast. He's like, yes, absolutely. And then the next day he couldn't do it. He had too much, too much going on. But, uh, and they're case, both one of the reasons or the reason why we are in the area we are in right now in Nicaragua. That's right. That's right. They suggested um, Matagalpa and this coffee region mm-hmm. where we're ca- currently hanging out. But yeah, we, uh, man, like Santiago took us to this guy's farm. Uh, this guy, Roberto Providencia Farms or Farms or Coffee or Growers or Roasters. I, I forget. Providencia in Alegria. Yeah. Man, it was amazing up on this beautiful ridge overlooking this valley. Coffee, mandarins, oranges, avocados, mangoes, bananas, all this stuff growing. And, uh, and the guy was just a total sweetheart of a human being. He's building this beautiful hostel and like a kind of campground on this side of this hill. He has another hostel and hotel in the middle of Alegria, the city. Um, he stayed open late and fed us. He roasted some coffee and gave us a bag of it. Uh, we got to watch uh, Santiago observe his roasting process and Santiago knows quite a bit about this stuff and was so passionate. <laughs> and like he put, it's almost like he personally caffeinated all the beans himself with his own energy. It was really incredible to watch. Um, anyway, we uh, we had a blast in Alegria with uh, with those two guys, mm-hmm. and I've, I'm so taken with 
Santiago that I forgot to mention that on the way into Alegria, we stopped at another volcanic lake, this beautiful, beautiful lake surrounded by mountains and hills. Uh, what is it? Just Lago Laguna, Laguna. de Alegria? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laguna de Alegria. Gorgeous. Evidently, you're not supposed to get in because the water is not good for you. <laughs> not only did we get in it, we like slathered ourselves in this clay that sits on the bottom. <laughs> they said it was supposed to be good for your skin. Yeah, by taking it off. <laughs> Ooh. Bringing you down to bone. I don't know. We had a good time. We're still alive. Yeah. Nothing itches. So I guess we're okay. But um, anyway, that that was a beautiful send-off to me uh, to to really get this one final bite of, um, or I should say one final sip of the espresso that is El Salvador. Uh, it was, it was awesome. And largely in part to, uh, Santiago. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a great experience. It was nice to find, um, another nice, cool weather place mm-hmm. in this country. Yeah. It's, we entered January 24th and it was, I was shocked but I just, just because I didn't pay attention and like read anything about how the difference in climates would be from Guatemala to El Salvador. And it was quite hot. Um, the spots of refuge from the hot weather would have been the uh, Nash- Parque Nacional Cerro Verde and Alegría. They both were very, very nice, cool climates. Um, and Alegría is a very, very pretty quaint little town. Um, highly recommend visiting that town if you go to um, El Salvador, along with Suchitoto. But um, and um, we'll put links up with yeah with our friends because our friend Roberto in Alegria has a hostel, and also has one in the neighboring town of Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that was mm-hmm. oh my god, what a beautiful place. Yeah, beautiful place. His hostel in Berlin is was like I think his great grandparents' home or something. It was quite spectacular yeah special place but um i mean everything grows there yeah i mean i saw these things that in that area yeah yeah, that i helped grow in california and they were like four times the size some of them vibrant colors and gorgeous um and i we should say that like while it was very hot every day there was a breeze and yeah. at night, it cooled, and it cooled off. off at night. It, cooled, right. it wasn't like yeah. being in the south in the States where right. it doesn't cool off at night. Right. It's not like some oppressive, terrible heat that never mm-hmm. relents. Um, yeah, we uh, oh, we should say like the roads were not that bad. We heard all this shit about the mm, roads. Yeah. They were fine. Yeah, they were. The roads were really decent. Really yeah, decent. Yeah, they were fine. Yeah. We had good roads. The roads were good. We didn't have any dangerous scenarios. I mean, we were... <laughs> Santiago said, listen, man, you guys are nice. You're very nice. I don't want anything to happen to you. And I feel like right now, it's 50-50 for you. I'd rather you be at 90-10. It's like, 50-50? He's like, yeah, man, you're, you guys are rolling the dice. You don't know. And, uh, you know, he's saying the graffiti here is not art. If you see graffiti, something written on a wall, that's like a tag of ownership. Don't park there. Don't go around there. And he was telling us all these things that were very helpful to be aware of that you know, um, <laughs> he was Gringo joking. survival one-on-one. He was joking with his nephew uh, who lives in Barcelona. He's like, oh man, are you worried about being in Barcelona? It's kind of dangerous. He's like, I'm the most dangerous guy here. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm from I'm from El Salvador, man. Nobody's messing with me. No, but, but the people I felt 
They were great. One of the first things I noticed when we came across and stopped in the first town of Awachapan and, and throughout the whole country is the people were very curious, like every other country, but they were the quickest to smile to me. Yeah. Like you just give them even sometimes just eye contact and they would smile, but some even just the slightest smile and they would immediately return it. Um, and other countries were like that, but I feel like the, in that country in particular, it was the people were much more um, prone to smiling and, and I don't know, it just felt a little bit more welcoming, a little bit, but um, it was... I mean, we had a very positive experience we there. Really did. Thankfully, and a lot of that is is fortune. I mean, let's face it; it is there is a tremendous amount of violence. Oh yeah, and there are you know a lot of incidents of armed robbery and violent, uh, yeah. terrible things that happen on a daily basis. It's not that it's you know completely this just dreamland no, that no, we no. experienced. We were very fortunate, mm-hmm. and you know I think we did make some good choices on places to go and not to go however it's not it's like any place like yeah, there are places in Los Angeles I'm not going there are places in Iowa like most of it that I never want to go to particularly Des Moines no offense everybody else but um, you know there's just there's just shit that I don't, uh, that you don't there's places you don't want to go and things you want to avoid but in in El Salvador it's real like yeah. there are, there's extreme poverty. People that uh, that grew up with a gun in their hand, and then suddenly the war is over. And then what do you do? You've lost your identity as a farmer, and then as a soldier, and then you're just poor, almost poorer than before. Many people you know are gone. You've been desensitized to violence. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of things that that produce that, and I. I do not that we don't fully understand we do not understand and do not even want to claim to have any grasp on that but there's a number of things you can empathize with mm-hmm. uh if if not sympathize with but at any rate we we did have a very very positive experience and feel grateful for i don't know just the opportunity to do it and for the treatment that we got from so many people in that country who took an interest in not just showing people their culture but in in uh showing someone a safe haven Mm -hmm. safe time we also just i know i probably say this a lot but we utilize the travel app ioverlander Mm -hmm. daily multiple times in a day that app is incredibly useful for people um doing what we're doing or if you just want to like travel around your state or around your own country or whatever, it's so, so useful. And it's a user populated app. And so we, you know, you read on it and you, and there were some areas where people put from, had an experience and they said, you know, this is dangerous. Don't go here. Don't, don't stop here. If there's no police, like, and so we, you know, we heeded those warnings and we were fortunate not to have any problems. Yeah. Yeah. Go to El Salvador. Yeah. Don't be afraid. No. It's worth the visit. It's worth your time. Um, and you'll definitely, you'll get a good coffee bus. Mm-hmm. Learn a lot about the history of the country, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The- I forgot to mention that uh, the one night that we were with uh, Adela in uh, Cuco, El Cuco, it was like a 
we were going to have dinner and it was really busy all of a sudden and she's just by herself so just uh, that's the one thing I really like about these cultures so far like if you ask somebody if you can help them there's a good chance they're going to say yes like if, or if you, you offer them some chips yeah if you've got something to eat and you're like <laughs> hey you want some people just say yes like mm-hmm. in the states it never happens people are never saying yes which I don't hate I get it like I love saying no to shit I'm one of those people I get sometimes more joy out of saying no to something than I ever would from accepting whatever it is somebody's giving me but the uh, the impulse to say yes and take help is awesome to me and Adela was like sure you can come help in the kitchen so I jumped on it man I put on an apron I was back there washing dishes chopping up you know doing prep work making pupusas frying quesadillas it was super duper cool it was a really cool experience for me and uh and I got paid in pupusas. She let me make my own and then eat them at the end, which is awesome. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the last thing I want to see. Uh, I had a good time. Me too. We'll talk about Honduras next time because it's very brief. I just want to shut this down. Okay. And end it. Okay. Right here. Done. Thank you to each and every one of you for taking the time to listen about our travels and for those who give feedback. I love it. I love reading it. I love hearing it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, we love you guys. Indeed. Adios. Ciao, ciao. Por esta tierra del hambre Yo vi pasar a un viajero, humilde, manso y sincero, valientemente profeta, que se enfrentó a los tiranos para acusarles el crimen de asesinar a su hermano, para defender a los ricos. Podrán matar al
que los obreros comieran, que un Padre nuestro tuviera para rezarlo comiendo. Cuando Dios no hace justicia, porque no entienden los ricos, de los pobres sale el grito que aprende. Historia no 